Thank you, Michael. Um, now it is time for the leader to qualify. This is the nervous part. Uh, and I am nervous, I have to tell you that outright. I am nervous. I've only led this meeting one time before, and um, to follow such people that I've heard speak at this meeting is, 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 is terrifying because there have been such great speakers. And, and this meeting is a large meeting, and a lot of people come here for their experience and, and what they do with their program. I know that there's one thing that always can calm me down, and I take a lot of telephone calls, uh, a lot of them at work, um, and one of the things that I know that helps me is if that I close my eyes, and I'm asking you all to close your eyes, sit comfortably so that uh, you can just kind of put your mind at ease. Now, if we could find ourselves in a place that you feel very comfortable, one where you find peace and quiet, a place that you can very comfortably meditate, and if you could bring the warmth that you know that is just outside of that space, and kind of bring that into your head. And I'm going to ask you to take three deep breaths with me. And as we take these breaths, little by little, we're going to take this warmth and bring it into our heart. one of the things that is just a very calming voice a, a, a feeling like I've gotten just a, a wonderful hug from God and a lot of times that's all I do on the telephone with somebody is take a deep breath with them I'm um, in an office where people are very close to me and they have often turned to me and said, oh, it's one of those breathing calls you're doing again. <laughs> but it's, it's one of those things that, that just takes the, the edge off of the day, that, that makes it so that you can comfortably think about what's really going on and maybe just get a little handle on it. Um... I've been really racking my brain to try to think of something, something a little different that I could talk to you about this, this morning. That There are people in this room that have heard my story so many times and I don't want to bore you again with it. But um, the stories don't change. They, they, they are always the same. They... There might be a little different slant to them. There might be a little bit of a, a different way of looking at it, but it's always the same. 
I came into coming to meetings on August 13, 1987. And I was ready. I was really willing, able, and ready to do what this program told me to do and get the abstinence that I needed to get. Um, my top weight is 247 pounds. My in program, my bottom weight is 153 pounds. I'm somewhere in between there now. I don't know what I weigh, and I really don't care. Um, if my clothes are comfortable, that's where I'm at. And I have a lot of clothes, <laughs> and I'm usually comfortable. Um, this, the pant sizes are generally just about the same, but you know they have been smaller and they certainly have been bigger. I'm comfortable where I'm at today. Um, the first meeting I went to was a wonderful meeting that was led by our friend Joe C. He's still around. In fact, he left a message for me yesterday. And it, it's just wonderful to know that after almost 19 years that you can still have the friends that, that you came into program with. I've known Michael for years. And, you know, there are people in this room that I've known longer than a lot of relationships I've been in. Um, the thing that... that has been a constant with me is that when I first came into meetings I needed to know what God was. There was a and there still is a woman in my life who still is my sponsor after 19 years that had something that I desperately wanted. I couldn't put my finger on it. I didn't know what it was. There's just something about her that makes me feel very comfortable. She has an aura about her that is just absolutely beautiful. She's one of the most beautiful women I've ever known. And that aura has something to do with the peace and the, the um, quality of her life. And when we were working together, um, we do work together I, I'm not in the same uh, space now but we do work together um, I asked her one day what it was about her that what this peace was that she had and she said well I found God and I said how do you do that how do you find God you know, when I was growing up, I, I went to church services every Sunday with my parents. And we went to two different church services every Sunday. There isn't that much difference between Lutheran and Presbyterian, but we had to go to both. <laughs> and, and, you know, during those church services, most people were able to sit there and they could find peace and quiet and it would take them through the rest of the week. Well, I didn't find it there. In fact, what I found in most of their church services was that I feared God. It was a God that I heard was judging and that you had to obey and that if you didn't obey, you wouldn't be going to heaven. 
and I knew that the God that they were talking about wasn't the God that I was meant to hear about. I went to these church services really trying to hear what what they had to offer to me, and I just didn't get it. Instead, I, I, I learned to shut down and shut off and, and really put myself into a place where uh, I was just existing. And one of the places where I knew that I could fill myself up was by going off by myself, playing with myself, by myself, doing things always separate from the rest of my family. And um, I also found food that way too. You know, one of the, one of the things that I remember was the very first thing that I took on as a comfort was fruit cocktail. <laughs> I remember opening those cans of fruit cocktail. They always had to have that heavy syrup. <laughs> I was mostly interested in. And if my mother didn't have fruit cocktail, she'd always say clean peaches. And it's still the same, you know, we had the, the heavy syrup. And my mother was constantly running out of fruit cocktail and peaches and she couldn't understand why. But it was my little way of, of going off by myself and just finding a little peace and quiet, or so I thought. It was my way of finding that uh, it was numbing myself away from the pains that I felt that it was going on in my, my home. Um, one of the most valuable things that I have found that since coming into these meetings was doing a fourth step. And I've done a lot of them. My first fourth step was one where I answered a lot of questions. Some of the questions I didn't know how they could relate to me, but I answered them anyway. One of the questions that still kind of uh, reaches out to me and says something is, were you a wanted child? Were you a child that was wanted in your family? Well, I don't know. I have never gotten that answer yet. Um, I'm the oldest of four children. Um, my twin brother died at birth. And my parents didn't talk about my childhood or my birth for the longest time I could never figure out why. It wasn't until I was 12 years old that I found out that I was a twin. And it, it happened in a way that I wish hadn't happened. But, you know, um, things happen in our lives that, that uh, are out of our control. It's the way that we deal with them as to how we cope with life. Um, I was sexually molested at the age of seven, and this went on for about three years. This was with a friend of my father's. And um, the molestation was one where, at the time, I didn't realize it was something that was harmful to me. I do now. At the time, I thought it was a way of getting close to a man that I really wanted. 
my father was not demonstrative. He was not one that would hug or or touch or anything like that. And I desperately needed that. When I was in grade school, I was called a sissy. When it came time to pick teams for sports, I was by far the last one picked. I couldn't throw a ball. I didn't know how to relate to the games that these other little boys were playing. I felt much more comfortable playing with the girls and with playing jump rope and standing around talking with them. I remember in the sixth grade, my grade school teacher asking me to join with the boys instead of playing with the girls. I still remember that, and it was very painful. The one thing that was constant was I could find food. I stole money from my mother in many circumstances and went to a corner little grocery store and bought penny candy. I had a paper route, and instead of paying the bills for the papers, I went and spent money on candy. That was the one thing that took the pain away. One thing I have never shared with anybody other than my sponsor was I went to bed constantly when I was growing up. I didn't understand why. I tried to cover it up in many, many ways. I was afraid that people were going to find out about it. My mother knew about it, and she really didn't lecture me about it. She tried to wake me up in the middle of the night so that that wouldn't happen, but it still happened. I now know that it was one of those things where I was going through an awful lot. Um, Sexual molestation does do an awful lot to the psyche. Um, Grade school was unpleasurable junior high school was hell (laughs) and high school was worse than hell I was a good student I skipped a grade when I was in in grade school Um, I was also one of the smallest kids in my class and uh, I just did not relate to anybody the only thing that I could find that I was really I excelled in was music. Uh, I played in the band, I played in the orchestra, I sang in the choir. I had one of those little boy soprano voices a long time ago, and I was asked to sing solos at church and at school functions and things like that. And people did not know how scared I was every time this happened. My father found it one of those things that he could stand up with pride and say, that was my son that did that. That was the one thing that he could say that pridefully that I was part of the family. My other brothers excelled in sports. I did not. Okay, I've spent enough time on my childhood, and I want to go on to what it is like now. I'm telling you all these things because they were part of my four-step one of the things that I have found by doing more four steps than just one that we start out with is that my way of looking at life is different. I spent a lot of years being a victim. A lot of years. I'm 56 years old now, and I probably spent 45 of those being a victim. I 
don't look at myself that way now. It is with the help of this program and with the help of people that are in these rooms and with a lot of prayer and a lot of work, I don't see myself as a victim. (coughs) My purpose in life is to help other people that have been victimized. My purpose in life now is to help people that have eating disorders. I am still a compulsive overeater, but I don't compulsively overeat now. I didn't yesterday. I don't plan to today. I have a few people that I have sponsored in, in the past that are my closest friends. If you do not have a sponsor, get one. Interview those people. Look at them as a way of helping you. They are putting themselves out to help you. That is my purpose in life, is to help other people. You know, I sponsor somebody that I haven't seen in four years. He lives in San Francisco. I hear from him on a daily basis. He sends postcards to me every day on what he is going to eat. (laughs) Some days I get four postcards. Some days I get none. Some (laughs) days I, you know, it's the way of the mail. We have tried email. It doesn't work for us. Postcards are something that he writes down on a daily basis, sends off to me, and he can forget about the food. He's already made the choices. He's already written them down. He can focus his life on living. My compulsive overeating made it so that I didn't want to participate in life. When I got my abstinence almost 19 years ago, all of a sudden my life really changed. When I came into a program, I was in a loveless relationship with somebody that I had been trying to break up for a year with. I was heavy. I didn't want to participate in the life that was going on around with my friends. I have over 200 people in my life that have died from AIDS. With every person that has died, I gained weight. This program has given me a way of looking at life where I can participate in it and work with other people as I've been meant to do. I'm really surprised that all this time has gone on and I really haven't said anything that probably could be of any help to anybody. But it's been helpful to me. Because I see that there is a real difference in the way that my life was when I came into the room and where it is now. I am no longer a victim. I am fully participating in life. Life is one of the most joyous things that you can you can touch out with other people. And um, thank you.